What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go, Giants. Merry Christmas, Giants fans. Welcome back to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast in association with Andy's Man Club. As always, it's okay to talk, lads. Tonight, we are 100% British, but absolutely, as always, still 100% Giants. Yes, your eyes do not deceive you. I'm back in the house. Uh, I'm feeling good, feeling much better. Um, so, yeah, normal services resumed. Producer Craig's back to producing. Shane's back to tanking. Um, unfortunately, Kev can't be with us tonight due to uh, family commitment, so it's not quite a full house. Um, but I'm sure he doesn't want to relive that um, Christmas Day trip to to the link to take on the filthy Delphia Eagles in a game that really ended up a lot closer than any of us really predicted. Um, lads, it's great to be back. And no, you, I mean, you do have a, a new presenter as, as such. I mean, it's been, what, I think four weeks since I've been on. Um, so yeah, it's good to get back in the room. But Merry Christmas to you both. How are, how are you doing? And uh, how was your Christmas? Yeah, I mean, first thing we'll say, look, viewers, obviously it's just a trial period with this new host. So do let us know which <laughs> one you prefer, and, and we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, you know, it was um, it was a good Christmas pop from obviously what happened on on Christmas night with the, the Giants game. But I think we fully expected it anyway. Um, but you know, yeah, the, uh, the the tank trains in full mode again, and you know we're we're at pick number five now, and you know we, we just need Washington and New England to win a couple of games, and we can get that special number three spot. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think in our group chat it was quite uh, well revealed that I um, I've now joined the train for the uh, the tank for the rest of the the season. Um, there's nothing to play for now, is there? Really, apart from the the drive right. position. <laughs> so um yeah I, do you know what there was a tweet i put out while i was live tweeting along with the game um that said that when we do these podcasts i kind of i'm a little indifferent and i'm kind of like yeah whatever happens whatever happens and then they just reel you in don't they they just have they have this habit of like reeling you in during the game and you're like well i want to win this now and then they let you down <laughs> thanks steve Thank you. <laughs> Welcome aboard. <laughs> I mean, this season's been full of letdowns, hasn't it? But no, I'm, <laughs> I just, I just can't get on the tank train, and I won't get on the tank train just because I, I still want to see competitive football. Even though, and we've got nothing to play for. Um, so, yeah, I'll see. There's not a great deal to look forward to over the next two weeks, but um, I just, I, I don't want to see us lose. It's as simple as that, really. Um, it's for the greater yeah, good. It's, it's for the greater good, Dan. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I get it. I really do get it. But at the same time, nothing disappoints me more than seeing seeing my team lose. You know, and regardless of whether it's um, on purpose or not, 
I hate seeing us lose. And I, I even more so, you know, hate seeing us lose on Christmas Day. It put a sour taste in my mouth at the end of Christmas Day. Um, and it's just, no, that's not why I'm a fan. I'm a fan to see us win. I'm a fan to see us be successful. Um, and I know there's not been much success over the last few years, but, you know, I, 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 I don't want to see us lose out and, you know, potentially, um, yeah. you know, it's... It's a difficult one, so what, but I, I so get what, I get why I, so I get why people that, want us to tank. Go for it. So what you're saying is, is that you're a true fan? Uh, I am. I am. <laughs> um, you too. You're not true fans. Not real fans. No. <laughs> That's harsh. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into it anymore. I just don't want to see us lose <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, before before we get into the game from. Monday, it was Monday, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I lose track of what day it is. Um, before we get into Monday's game, don't forget you can get your hands on some Giants merch over at usasports.co.uk. Use the code Big Blue to get yourself ten percent off your entire order. All about the tank train? No, no, we're not all aboard the tank train. <laughs> <laughs> first, first of two games against Filthy in three weeks. Um, the game itself, especially in the second half, ended up being much more entertaining than it looked like it was going to be at half-time. But unfortunately, all that hard work we saw in the final 30 minutes, it really came to nothing um, as the game was lost when Tyrod Taylor was put in the game in the second half. And in all honesty, he made the game exciting um, through that game-ending interception uh, from the Eagles' yard line as time expired uh, we scored 22 points in that second half getting between two points of the Eagles never taking the lead though as a result we now drop to 5 and 10 on the season and are officially eliminated from playoff contention damn it uh, according to Tankathon the Giants currently hold the number 5 pick uh, in 2024 thanks to their easier strength of schedule which I'm sure Shane is very happy with however it could get better depending on results uh, in the in the upcoming weeks. Like you said, where you're, you're, I'm not hoping for. You're hoping for some a Washington and, and New England wins, which let's face it, are very very tough to come by this season. So I can't see that happening anytime soon. But yeah, currently holding number five pick, which could all change over the coming weeks. Producer Craig, we saw a lot of good in the second half, uh, but what stood out? Yeah, I mean, there were definitely a few players who, uh, especially in the second half, kind of elevated their game enough that we can give them their their props. Um, Saquon Barkley, for one, you know, as the, as is the par for the Giants' running game this season, um, because I do think that our our sort of run blocking game has been quite possibly one of the worst I've seen in a long, long time. It, it's really been poor, but. You know, Saquon still was able to give us a few highlights, finishing the game with 80 yards and a touchdown, 23 carries. The big thing with Saquon, though, is that, you know, a few of those 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 runs were fourth down conversions, important fourth down conversions that kind of allowed us to continue drives and, and keep the game close. And that's really what what's key, um, especially when we're struggling as an offence, as we have been, is to try and just get those little yards. I think Barkley was only averaging about 3.5 a carry, yet still managed 80 yards. Uh, and yeah, his touchdown came off of that opening second half 
hilarity that the happened to the Eagles. And there's nothing better than seeing Boston Scott um, fumble the ball, especially after all of the stuff that he's put us through. So, so yeah, Saquon really starts it off. Um, I've got Tyrod Taylor-ish. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> um, so while, while, as we've said, Tyrod was the spark that the Giants' offense needed, it, it wasn't plain sailing with him in, um, even even though he kind of really kind of took us to another level that DeVito just couldn't seem to do in the first half. Um, Tyrod's seven completions was actually less than DeVito's nine, but 133 yards and a touchdown and an interception kind of doesn't really scratch the surface of the inconsistencies that Tyrod displayed during the game. For every great moment that he had, there was an equally head-scratching one. You know, the energy, couple of nice throws to Waller on the final drive, the phenomenal pass to Slayton on that 69-yard touchdown were kind of counteracted by missing multiple easy connections with players that would have extended drives. You know, there was one to um, to Saquon in, I think it was uh, one of the first drives that we ended up having to, I think we settled for a field goal. Um, and then Waller in the fourth quarter. I mean, Waller houses that. That's straight into the end zone and maybe a completely different game because we really did have the Eagles on the ropes at that time. Both times that he missed, we failed fourth down conversions. So, you know, it kind of, it, it counterbalances exactly really why Tyrod is not a starter in this in this league. Um, Bobby, Bobby doesn't really have to do a lot without us giving, you know, for us to give him a shout out these days. Wasn't his best game, but 10 tackles were team co-leading with Xavier McKinney. Um, plus he had a quarterback hurry and a pass, pass defended, which he always seems to do. He seems to be quite good at, um, at blocking passes in the, uh, in the kind of, in the pass game. Um, and before we kind of get onto the questions, is it, Straight off the couch to the sequel with Mason Crosby. You know, 39-year-old, hadn't played all season. Second veteran player, as I've said, to come off the couch. Um, drilled his 52-yard field goal in the first half. Converted both his extra point attempts. Not really much more you can ask from a kicker, especially one who hasn't actually had a meaningful snap since he left the Packers last year. Um, but before we kind of look at players of the game... Um, Kieran asked the question, what's next for Tommy now that Tyrod has been confirmed as starter? And, and and my question is, you know, exactly in that vein, the Tommy DeVito experience, as it's been called, was abruptly ended at the half. Do you think this is the last we see of Tommy this season? And Shane, how how do you rate the Tommy, the Tommy DeVito experience? I think it will be the last that we, we see of him this season. Obviously, um... I believe I don't know, we might be calling on to this later on or <clears throat> in the next episode, but obviously he has been confirmed. Toro has been confirmed as the starter for the Rams game, which we'll come on to later on. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's the last that we see of Tommy DeVito. Personally, I don't agree with it. I wouldn't have benched him on Sunday, in all honesty. I'd have just been like, you know what, Toro's not going to be here next year. There's nothing to gain from it. And, you know, Playoffs are gone, and it's not so much as tanky, but for me, now it's a case of, you know, let's see Tommy get the rest of the snaps. Let's see Javarius Owens in there. Let's see Trey Hawkins in there. Let's see Eric Gray a little bit more. Not saying they've got to be, like, you know, 
starters. I'm not saying bench McKinney, bench um, Saquon and bench Adore, but maybe get them involved a lot more, let them get a little bit more exposure. That's the route I personally would have preferred to go. Again, not for the purpose of tanking, but just giving these players who haven't seen that many snaps either through injury or through other players outperforming them over the course of the season. But now the playoffs are gone. Just get them more exposure and let them get game time and, and feel what NFL speed actually feels like. Dan, what do you what do you think about Tommy? Um, yeah, I think it's the last we see of him this season. Um, Tyrod's in for the Rams game, and I can't see him being benched for the uh, the second Eagles game unless he has an absolute shocker this weekend. Um, but it's not the last we see of him. Period. I don't think. Moving um, forward into next season, I think he's he's proven he's good enough to be on the roster as a as a backup. Uh, so I think he'll be. Still, he'll still be on our roster next season. Obviously, it was a it was a coach's decision on the night to to bench him. Um, in all honesty, I I, I was a, I was the same as Shane. I didn't agree with it at the time, but looking back on it, was it the right call? Potentially, um, you know, Tommy didn't have great numbers in the first half. I think he was nine of nine of fifteen for thirty odd yards or something like that. Um, so he, you know, it wasn't much production coming from him. Um, so maybe Dave's decided to mix it up and and throw Tyrod in there because he could potentially throw the deep ball, and he wasn't scared of throwing the deep ball. Let's face it. Um, you know, the sixty nine yard bomb to to Darius Slayton was a was a highlight, and you know he went. I think the first play in the uh, in the third quarter, he went out and and, and threw it long. I think it was was incomplete but even still it was uh you could see the intent was there in the second half we did look a, a lot more competitive um the first half we didn't look great i think the scoreline flattered philadelphia there was too many mistakes on our side obviously the mistake coming up to half time which we'll cover later on um allowed them to put more points on the board um but this is tyrod's time to put himself in the shop window for other teams next season um, because he's not going to be around in 2024. So, yeah, you know, answering the original question, yes, yeah, the last time last time we see him this season, but not in future. I think he's, he's going to be around for a little bit longer. Yeah, just to, just to kind of touch on a couple of points there. Um, you know, Tyrod putting himself in the shot window. I mean, he's not really young anymore and there's a lot of quarterbacks really who are being discussed as potential backups next year who um though might not be on the starter level anymore are definitely I would say better than Tyrod Taylor on their day players like um, Baker Mayfield we don't know what's going to happen at the Bucks you've got Ryan Tannehill who's likely to become a free agent Tennessee looking like they're going to go with Levis um going forward so you know, there could be some bigger names out there. Tyrod's injury history obviously is not going to um, kind of excite teams either, but he is a reliable reliable backup and he showed that. Um, and I just wanted to touch on a point that Shane made as well about, you know, players coming into the game and actually seeing some meaningful snaps. One player that we haven't actually mentioned who didn't get many snaps, but I think he was quite impactful when he did was Jordan Riley. Um, Riley really made a couple of really nice run uh, run stops, especially shedding Jason Kelsey a couple of times. So it'd be nice to see how he progresses. I saw somebody on on X comparing him to 
you know, we've got rid of Leonard Williams, but we kind of have a Leonard Williams already. So be interesting to see what happens with Riley. Um, back to you then, Dan. Player of the game. Player of the game, yeah. Um, Tay Banks for me. Um, you know, he's a rookie. We all know that he's, a, you know, he's our um, first round pick in the draft this year. Um, he hasn't shied away from being outspoken. He's been very outspoken. You know, he's, he's, we've seen the uh, the chain that he's got that says banks are closed on Sundays or banks are closed, whatever it says. Um, and he's not shied away from taking on the best receivers in the league as well. And this week was no different. AJ Brown. Um, and in the first half, he lined up against Brown more often than not and held him to one catch for six yards. In the second half, AJ was able to get a bit more out of Banks before um, Tay actually got injured and came out of the game in the third quarter. Um, but even when Brown made the catches against Banks, his coverage was very, very good and didn't, didn't allow a single yard after the catch as well. In fact, it was minus one yards after the catch for AJ Brown. Uh, with an overall pass, with an overall grade of 66.9, according to PFF, only three defensive players graded higher than him in the game, with all with significantly more experience than him as well. He had three receptions on four targets in total for just 17 yards across the whole game. Banks will close this Christmas. Job done. Right, Shane, shed some light on someone who's potentially a bit underappreciated by Giants fans. Yeah, so my player of the game went for Darius Slayton. Um, you know, he was targeted three times, three receptions, 90 yards, one touchdown, obviously on that 69-yard pass from, from Tyrod Taylor. Um, and, you know, during Monday's broadcast, Pat Leonard sent a tweet out um, that said, Darius Slayton's on the verge of leading the Giants in receiving yards for the fourth time in his five-year career. Um, I think he just says, I found a way, somehow, some way, I found a way. And I think, you know, the, the stat kind of confirms two things, that the Giants lack of wide receiver, one, isn't just a this year problem, um, and two, that Slayton is massively underappreciated. And I, I mentioned this on last week's pod, that I think he gets some unfair stick. Um, I mean, if you look at his kind of career stats, he's gone, he's 602 yards so far this season. In uh, three of the previous four seasons, tonight he went over 700 yards every time. And, you know, one of the big knocks on him last season was he he drops the ball a lot. He drops the ball a lot. He had eight drops last year. He's had two this year. So, you know, I, I, I just think he's a player that's like vastly um, underappreciated. And I, I kind of don't really get why. Like, you've drafted him in the fifth round and he's been asked to play wide receiver one at times. Essentially, he's, he's not a wide receiver one. I will openly admit that. But... um I mentioned to you guys forward on the air that someone put a tweet out earlier on today mentioning the fact that he, on a regular basis, goes up against CB, one on the opposing team. And you're asking someone who's probably a wide receiver three, potentially a wide receiver two, to go up against a CB one week in, week out. And, you know, I just think he's, he's really un underrated and underappreciated by a lot of Giants fans. Um, and, you know, we mentioned it last week. He, he turned in more money with Atlanta to come back here and you know i mean i i'm i'm not a massive daniel jones guy but it doesn't matter who's under center slate and he's always backing him up 
like you know, you've seen him on about the Daniel Jones stuff and the, the no DJ slander and that. That's what you want your wide receivers to do. You want him to back the quarterback up, not sort of throw him under the bus like previous wide receivers have. Or you know, he's never a prima donna or anything. And and for me, I just thought you know, I don't think he's been player of the seat, player of the game this season for any of us. I don't think. Um, so you know, I think it, it was deserved and. You know, I'm, I'm a massive, I'm, I'm a slating guy. I've been for for a while, to be fair. Um, I will openly admit he's he's not the perfect receiver, but like I say, we're asking him to play at times wide receiver one, and that's not his job. Well, that's that's not what he can do. I should say, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. We've we've said multiple times that he just gets that he gets a lot of slander just because of the fact that, he, that he's not posting those big numbers that other wide receivers around the league do. But when you look at what we're kind of giving him he's um you know making chicken salad out of chicken shit a lot of the time isn't he so um so yeah fair play um i went for adory jackson and adory jackson kind of has the same thing that tyrod has it's adory jackson ish but he got my player of the game because of one massive massive play you know his interception of jalen hurts he returned 76 yards to the house, despite the fact we might put that out there that Jalen Hurts was being a prick and decided that the horse collar tackle was the only way he was going to be able to take down a Dory, but a Dory was having absolutely none of it. Um, that interception was the fourth of Jackson's career and his first since November 2021. Uh, incidentally, it was also his first ever career score in his seven seasons in the league. However, he also hit a max speed of 20.92 on his pick six, the third fastest speed on a pick six this season and the fastest play by a Giants ball carrier this season. So he popped the wheels on, but it is a Dory. And a Dory did a Dory things. Uh, missed tackles and soft coverage. <laughs> it's inexcusable at times, but... He made such a big play. I think you can kind of give him a pass for this one, which is why I've kind of put it as ish. But, you know, he probably had the biggest play of the game outside of the Slayton touchdown. Um, and then and then, Kev, Dan, do you want to cover Kev's? Yeah, I'll cover Kev's. Um, so this guy's been ever-present on the defence this whole se- throughout the season. Uh, Kev went for Xavier McKinney. As it says on the screen, it's, he's played 100% of snaps in this game and he's played almost every defensive snap this season as well, I believe. Um, continued his recent upturn in form um, with 10 tackles plus um, a shared sack, quarterback hit and key coverage snap that saw um, him prevent a touchdown as well. Um, 85 tackles on the season there, as it says as well. He's been, that last few weeks, He's he's definitely been playing himself into contention for a new contract um, in a league that constantly sees players rotated. It's it's great that he's he's been ever present in this team all season, um, but one of the defensive captains, and he proved his worth on Sun on Monday as well. Um, you know, it was, it was he had a great game overall. I thought uh, one of the the standout one of the standout players on defense, and I think Kev felt the same as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I guess it's Shane's turn to give us the bad news. Shane's, Shane's back to the bad, unfortunately. Shane's back to the bad. Go on, Shane. I think, what did I you think it's well? bad news, to be fair. 
Uh, I, I was just thinking when's last time I did the back then I, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things that need talking about on the bad, and the first one I'm going to talk about is the, uh, the first half special teams. Um, you know, we I'm back to talking about the bad. The special teams is back on the bad. It, you know, it's just like all all over again earlier on in the season. Um, and you know, the the Giants couldn't afford many mistakes that would benefit the Eagles early. But, you know, that's what happened. And both of the Eagles' first half touchdowns were due to the return of the special teams wobble, if that's what we want to call it. I don't know if it's worth giving it a, a name. If anyone's got any suggestions in the comments, a, 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 any innuendo of some sort, by all means, stick it in there. And we can start referring to it as that. Um, you know, the first was due to Jamie Gillen, um, who came into the game with a groin injury. So you could maybe give him a little bit of a, a pass on that. Um, but again, at the same time, a little bit like Ganoa during the season when he was missing field goals. If you're fit and you're dressed, you're expected to deliver at the end of the day. There's, there can be no excuses. Um, and, you know, he hit a low punt to the Eagles 33 special shit show. Yeah, we can, we can refer to it as that. Um, unfortunately, due to the trajectory, the Giants good Gunners didn't have enough time to get to the returner. And, you know, Eagles were able to return the ball 54 yards, two plays and 13 yards later, and the Eagles scored. Um, and then again, you know, second time red, a little bit of deja vu again, Jamie Gillen involved again. Um, it was shanked. don't know if that's a professional term, but that's what we're going to call it. Um, it was shanked and travelled only 31 yards. It bounced into the arms of Colby again, who was able to pick up an extra 12 on the return. Which meant the Eagles were already in the uh, on the edge of the Giants' half, and then three players were all it took for the Eagles to score, kind of yet again. Um, you know, I mean, it's going to be one to keep an eye on this week. Um, in regards to Jamie Gillen, I, I, I believe the Giants bought three punters in last week, so that potentially indicates that were they overly happy with where Jamie Gillen was at going into Sunday? Maybe, maybe not. But you know, you don't bring three punters in for, for no no reason. Um, and then the next part of the bad was the offensive play calling. And, you know, we've spoken on here multiple times, but our concern is to see some of the uninspiring play calls from, from Mike Kafka. And, you know, I don't think it was ever, ever more evident um, than on the Giants' last drive in the first half where Kafka called a Barkley on the middle on fourth and one. The stadium guessed it was going to be a run play. The Eagles guessed it was a run play. Here in England at, what, half 10, 11 o'clock of the night time after we'd all been on the piss because it was Christmas Day. Even we were able to tell it was going to be a run play. Um, and, you know, that's exactly what it was. And Reddick was able to bundle through to stuff Barkley for a four-yard loss. Um, next, it was another failed fourth down. Uh, however, this time at the beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, he went for a passing play. However, the Giants lined up with three wide receivers all on the right of the quarterback who all ran shallow rates for some reason. Um, Tyrod was in silly pressure by Reddick, um, who was unblocked amongst the wide receivers. Tyrod was able to get the throw away, however, because it was just so congested, he had to throw behind the line of scrimmage, resulting on an incomplete pass. Um, so, you know, two really poor play calling, and just, just as it's kind of seemed that maybe the play calling was just starting to get a little bit better um, over the last few weeks, it, it just seems like it's gone back to the... The, the, the shit show, as that seems to be the key word on this segment today, um, the shit show that it was earlier on in the season. Now, obviously, Kafka's taken the 
some of the blame for this, but kind of upon second viewing of them, both cause had unblocked defenders impacting the play. So do we also have to account for the fact that our offensive players should have picked up on this, Dan? I mean, yes. Uh, you know, the defenders should have been picked up. Um, but I think on one of the plays, the defender came inside when he was originally lined up outside. He motioned inside and the ball was snapped. And be between him motioning inside and the ball being snapped, the, the, the offence didn't adjust. And I think it was Hassan Reddick just burst through. And, and that was, the, I think I was on the fourth and one with Barkley. Um, you know, they, these things happen, but yeah, they should have been picked up. But in all honesty, why was the run called for the third time in a row on fourth and short? Um, like you said, it was so predictable. We predicted it here. Every person in that stadium predicted it there. So um, I'm sure as hell, Matt Patricia, who was calling plays for on defensive plays on the sideline for the Eagles, was predicting that as well. So you know, Kafka's been underwhelming at times uh, at best this season, really. Our offensive game plans have been poor and I've lost count of the amount of times I've said he has to go, but Mike Kafka's got to go, unfortunately. And Steve, special shit show. I mean, that's been a shit show all season, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you've spoken about the, f the first one there, the, the run stuff. Um, I've watched the second one quite a few times because I was kind of just really intrigued as to what had happened there, especially when you look at the fact that, you know, there are those three wide receivers on the right-hand side. The pass goes to Wandale, who's probably one of the smallest wide receiver, but then again, we don't have big wide receivers, really. They're all, relative, you know, on the smaller side. Um, and the throw's not great, but... I think you have to kind of give Tyrod a pass on it just because of the fact that Reddick was literally like right here. Um, I think that's part of the problem as well is that Reddick kind of just got lost amongst the shuffle with the three wide receivers kind of out there in that bunch formation. They kind of assumed that everyone out there was going to try and impact that. And that's how Reddick kind of just went unnoticed. But the other thing that really baffled me is that Saquon kind of runs up to the middle and hits the line of scrimmage, but doesn't, I'm not sure if he's blocking or if he's trying to get through to maybe offer another option because we had no one on the left hand side. No one motioned out to the left. No one, you know, cut back into the into the left hand side as the play developed. So it was just a real strange one. I, that 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 one probably pisses me off more than the Barkley run. Although the Barkley run was as you know blatant and obvious as we've said it was, but I just feel like at least then you you are kind of putting the ball in the hands of your biggest playmaker and that's what we should have probably done on on this fourth down attempt but yeah I just didn't like the bunch formation it, it made no sense on a key fourth down when it's fourth and one to go for a bunch like if you're gonna if you're gonna send someone to the house as part of that then I get it because you're freeing up maybe one defender but to have all three of them there plus four defenders around them I don't understand how we were going to convert that I mean it's a difficult play to convert at any, at any time if all three receivers are going to run short routes, let alone on a fourth and one when the game is almost on the line at that point. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I've said before, multiple times before, Kafka is, uh, he's not proven himself and he's, he's not proven that, that he can call a, a, a good, 
mm. offensive game plan. Um, so yeah, like I said, in my opinion, he's got to go. It's got to so go. There's a, um, there's a question in the comments. I'm just going to throw it to Shane first, but. Um, Holtie's put, can we talk about how poor and disinterested Kayvon looked this week? Massive fan, but he was non-existent Monday. One QB pressure and that was it, I believe. Um, are we right to expect more consistency from Kayvon? Because he flashes, doesn't he? It's not game to game. There are flashes. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, you could turn around and say, yeah, he was number five overall pick. I feel like he's kind of battered with that stick a little bit too often, in all honesty. Um, I think the problem comes, obviously, he's been a little bit inconsistent over the last sort of couple of weeks. But you look at it, he's not really got much opposite him on the other edge. And you've got Dex on a snap count as well. So he's having to do a lot of work on his own. And like, I don't know if this is like the game plan for the teams we're playing against, but you probably just think, well, we've only really got to worry about you know, Aishon potentially. And Aishon's not a great pass rusher. He's more of a, a run run stopper. So mm. you can predominantly focus on, on Thibodeau and you can maybe, I mean, I don't know how often he was, but you could potentially look at double teaming him. So I feel like kind of on one hand, you could turn around and say, yeah, because, you know, fifth overall pick and if you want to be considered one of the best in your position, you've got to find a way to win. But at the same time, he's not helped by any of his teammates at the minute. Obviously, I mean, Aziz... Injury prone. I don't know what his easy snap count was like the weekend, but he's obviously he's coming back from an injury. Dex was on a snap count, and outside of that, you got like I say, A. Sean and and Haddy, who aren't notorious pass rushers. So there's just a lot of pressure probably coming Tibbs' way. To be fair to him, yeah, it probably comes down to the fact that you know, as much as Wink likes to blitz, Tibbs is the first player to get over. 10 sacks under a wink defense so it's not you're not always going to be able to get rushes free especially from the edge position edge position is probably one thing that wink kind of takes maybe a little bit for granted on on his on his defenses so yeah yeah i agree dan anything you want to add to that yeah let's not forget as well we're up against the uh the philadelphia eagles who have one of the best offensive lines in the league mm. Um, they also have um, Lane Johnson, who somehow doesn't get full started on every single snap that he takes. It's very true. Um, as is, is it um, who's the left tackle? Jordan? Is it Mylata? Jordan Mylata, whatever his yeah, name is. I think so. Yeah, he's unbelievably good. I think they um, mentioned him on the on the commentary in the game on on Monday, but he's he's. Sneakily, one of the best left tackles in the league at the moment, and you know, yeah, Kayvon, he looked, he looked, he looked off, uh, you know, during the game. I think he had, I think he said, he said what one quarterback pressure. I think it was one QB hit and two two hurries, something like that, wasn't it? Um, he had not great numbers, and you know, you're coming up against one of the be- one of the better teams in the league. Obviously, the Division leading, or were they leading the division at the time? I, don't, I can't remember. Um, you know, their, their offensive line is pretty damn good, so it's going to be a difficult game for our for our defensive line to get any pressure on the quarterback. And it proved that it was a very very difficult game for him because we didn't get much pressure on Jane Hurts throughout the whole game. Um, so I think yeah, he, he didn't look great, but let's got to, you know let's let's not forget that. The, uh, the the Eagles' offensive line is pretty damn good, so 
I'm not too disappointed that Cleveland wasn't as good as he could have been. And I can't wait for the tush push to be scrapped either, Jamie. So roll on, on roll on the league meeting in, in March or April when it is scrapped. So kind of on that, did you guys see the Carl Banks uh, radio call? Is that is that something either of you have heard as of yet? So no, what I Banks said so what Banks said is the way to stop the tush push is just to take the penalty and go off sides and just jump over the line and smash the quarterback. <laughs> so, so, um, that's such um, a defensive player's mindset isn't it yeah um there was a somebody tweeted out an accompanying video uh that kind of um <laughs> showed showed banks doing something very similar uh obviously it's not allowed uh obviously it would be an offside penalty um would you, would you reckon <laughs> why not why not I mean, I, I don't think it's something that's going to get stopped anytime soon, to be honest. No, no, no one seems to move like the Eagles do. Like, I was, I actually watched it quite closely because the team converts every time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they've convert. I think they, I think they said they've converted twenty six of twenty seven this season. Fourth down, they're seventy five percent. I looked at it earlier. Yeah. They're high, so highest they, in the league, when, obviously. Yeah, I think when they've attempted the tush push, they've done yeah converted twenty six or twenty seven times, which is ludicrous. But if it isn't scrapped, I think teams will hopefully wise up to it and and be able to stop it. But when you've got half a ton of muscle coming at you, mm. it's going to be very difficult to stop it. The way they, I, I was kind of watching it quite closely, and the way they kind of do it is Dallas Goddard kind of goes behind. Hurts and kind of pushes him up the offensive yeah. lineman's back. That's the difference. Is that they've got obviously this big body tight end behind Hurts, who Hurts isn't a small guy either, and they just kind of he almost surfs his body on top of the offensive lineman, and that's how how they're um, how they seem to be converting it every single time. Yeah, it's it's working, but the the. the... The annoying and frustrating thing is it's it's Philly that it's working for. And you see that smug look on Nick Sirianni's face every time and that smug look on Jason Kelsey's face every time. You just want to punch them both. You know, yeah. But I do I've got to be honest, I do like Jason Kelsey. Like, just, like, oh, oh him, him him and Travis on the, on their podcast is quite their quality. Do we wanna do we wanna talk about uh their little conversation about squirts the other day? Look <laughs> at <laughs> this. Next, next time we have a meetup, neither of you got permission to squirt in my mouth. <laughs> um, uh, where is this conversation going? You need to let's let's move let's move swiftly on, shall we? See what I did there. See what I did there. Move swiftly on. Oh, yeah. get out. <laughs> you know All right, it's um, it's that time, it's time again. It's time. What the feagles? What the feagles? Jamie um, spoiled it for you, Dan. <laughs> why? What's he said? Yeah. Can we go for more than one game without any officials being controversial or shit? 
Um, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we can, Jamie, at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is probably the third time this season. Or oh, what the fevers has been, the uh, the referees. Where do we start? Um, this this season just seems to have been worse than all other seasons in in memory, really. But this was possibly one of the worst performances that we've seen, and it's it's cost us dearly this week. Um, there were three massive massive turning points that cost the Giants, but also some very other very questionable calls as well. Um, firstly, that was that phantom false start called on centre JMS on that critical fourth down. There we go, Holt, he's got it. Called on that critical fourth down that should have been a defensive offside. And it would have been would have given the Giants a first down. But apparently John Michael Schmidt's doing this is a full start. I mean that that enough is a what the Eagles moment because even Dean Blandino said the officials got it wrong. So that that was I've never never seen anything like it. Never ever seen anything like that. that like Doing that and getting called for a full start. He didn't move a muscle, didn't move an inch apart from his neck. Didn't realise you couldn't move your neck. But there we go. Um, next up, Bobby Okereke was penalised for a delay of game mere seconds before time was due to expire in the first half. Jalen Hurts didn't step out of bounds and as Okereke tackled him, the ball came loose. So he snagged it, as you would. Now the replays confirmed that Hurts was down, which Bobby wouldn't have known at the time. Um, and he was well within his right to try, and, to try and get the ball and to try and smother it. With four seconds left in the half, it wasn't like the Eagles were going to be able to snap it. So the half should have ended there and then. But no, the flag was called for defensive delay of game, which I don't think I've ever seen called ever in the, in my almost 20 years of watching this, this game. I don't think I've ever seen a delay of game call on the defence. And I, I don't get it. And obviously, it then led to them kicking a field goal to extend their lead into halftime. That's the second instance. And then finally, on the Giants' final drive, Tyrod Taylor took a shot to Wondell Robinson, who was near the near near the left sideline. And if you want to see a blatant pass interference call, go back. Well, what should have been a blatant pass interference call? Go back and watch that play, because I swear. The, the Eagles are either paying the refs or something's something dodgy's going on because how that wasn't flagged as PR as defensive pass interference, I will never know. Defender didn't get his head around, was all 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 up in his grill, all over him, and he didn't get flagged for it. After the game, even Coach Dable refused to discuss it, saying, I'd say any official questions you can ask those guys. Um I mean we 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 can talk about all we like because we're not going to get fined for it. But come on, refs. Ronald Torbert and your crew. What the beagles was that? Um, Craig, what did you make of the referee? <laughs> what did you make of it? Was it? Wasn't great. Um, we were we were pretty hot in the old group chat over it, weren't we? Especially the 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 um, JMS one. I mean, Holty said Dable was raging. I'm pretty sure that's what we were like on that that full start. Just. I can't get my head around it. You know, as as Holtie said, Lane Johnson can jump back 10 yards for nothing. But yeah, there's, I just, I genuinely cannot fathom what he's seen there because 
the centre need, you know, the centre is well within their rights to quickly look back, make sure that the quarterback is there, make sure that they're not, you know, that they're ready, etc. It's not like Andrew Thomas or, or Tyree Phillips has kind of, you know, given it the twitch or anything like that. How many times do you see a centre look back? I'm sure Kelsey probably did it on the next series for the, the Eagles. I just, I really, really don't get that one. And as Jamie says, you know, no consequences for their actions, but you can get a $10,000 fine for a taunt or over-celebrating. Um, really does feel like the no-fun league, doesn't it? But yeah, um, all, th- all three of them were bad. I just feel like the phantom full start is just the worst of the lot, just because it's it's so blatantly cheating. It, it, you know, it, it is. It was an offside. You know, their players completely bundled through and it gets called on us. I mean, I don't yeah, know. A joke. Absolute joke. Um, Shane, what did you make of refereeing? Um, I feel like we say this when refs come up, but it's not the reason we lost the game, if we're completely honest with you. Um, you know, was that poor calls? Yes. I just think that's sports in general at the minute. Like refereeing in every sport I've seen to watch lately is absolutely diabolical. Like, I don't even get me started on VAR. Well, that's what going off topic slightly. Nottingham Forest player got sent off the other day for winning the ball because it was a second yellow card. And VAR got second yellow. And it's like, that was a disgrace. Number one, that, that rule needs change. Number two, how's the ref watching that live and thinking that the, the ball literally goes away from where the player's running? He's got to have won it. So I think it doesn't matter what sport it is. I mean, obviously, I don't watch NBA or MLB. Um, I mean, yeah, don't even get me started on championship refs. Craig will know exactly <laughs> what I mean. The two Steve will know exactly what I mean. Like, championship refereeing is absolutely horrendous. Um, but I just feel like that's just sports in general at the minute. I mean, I don't know I don't know what the solution is to getting better refereeing in all sports. There only seems to be a couple that I can think of where they're... Well, probably cricket's the only one where I can probably think you've got good umpires, as they're called, in, in that sport. I think even rugby's got questionable refereeing decisions um, over the World Cup that we had in the last couple of months. So I don't know what the answer is to, to refs in general in every sport, but they, they all just see... Just absolute shite at the moment. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, you know, did it did it lead to us not winning this game? Some of these calls, potentially. Obviously, we didn't win the game regardless. Um, so whether whether some of these calls weren't there or not, it could have changed the course of the game. Like like Steve says. That PI gets called, could have changed the course of the game. If the, the defensive offside was called, that would have been a first down. So it could have changed the course of the game. Ultimately, it didn't. And, it, it you know, we lost the game. And I, I get that. Um, but it's just it is just so frustrating. Um, I think there was a, a late hit on, was it on Tyrod or Tommy DeVito? No, it was, the, yeah, it was on Tyrod, the, the offsetting one, are you thinking of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had that this conversation, is another thing, didn't we? This is another thing that I I just don't really get about um, the NFL penalties sort of rules. How is a, a personal foul for a late hit on a quarterback being offset by, was it a full start? Or no? no a, offensive holding. Offensive holding. How is that offsetting? Like, I'm sorry, you've, you've potentially endangered 
the health of, of a player by hitting him late while he's on the floor compared to a, an offensive player just grabbing hold of somebody's jersey or holding on to them for a second too long. How in any way, shape or form do those penalties offset? And it should be done by a severity of the penalty, not uh, there's a flag for either side, so we'll just, just scrap them. Makes no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. And you're not wrong, Holty, mate. It's frustrating, but it doesn't change the fact we were still shit on offense. Yeah, offensively, we weren't great. Um, you know, obviously, we were helped out big time by Adori's uh, pick six. But, yeah, we there were times where we were moving the ball under, under Tyrod, and I thought we weren't horrendous. We weren't as bad as we've seen this season. Um, yeah, there, there were there were glimpses of, of promise, and I mean glimpses. But, you know, it's uh, slim pickings when you're at this stage of the season. You're five and ten, so we will take what we can get. Um, but yeah, overall, referee and what the feels because that was a damn disgrace, a damn so, disgrace. Um, so Jamie was surprised that the feels. Were co- weren't covered in Vaseline because we couldn't tackle to save our lives. I mean, missed tackles was one of the things that we did have on the agenda, but kind of scrapped because of time. Um, but do we want to have a quick chat about the tackles now? Missed tackles? Shane, go ahead, mate. Yeah, I mean, it just really t- ugly head again, didn't it? I mean, like early on in the season. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard because... We're not in a position to win that game if it's not for our defence. Mm. Yet again, it, it comes down to our defence to keep us in the game. So you can't be too harsh on the defence. But I mean, like some of the missed tackles early on. I mean, like yeah, the the, the, the special teams missed tackles were a joke. I think um, was it there was Pinnock had quite a few missed tackles and Michael Baden had a few as well. McFadden, I was going to say as well, I thought he had a quite a few as well. Um, and again, it's something that we're kind of seeing in the first sort of like, say, was it first two, three weeks of the season where we just literally didn't didn't seem to tackle and we go for that big hit or that like, you know, get the ball out, get a turnover too much. And again, I mean, I don't know if some of that is down to Winks coaching where he wants them to try and and get the get the ball out and try and make, like, you know, get, get a turnover when they're on the field or whether it's the fact that defence are like, Look, let's be honest, we know the offence is shit. We've got to turn it over to be able to stand a chance. But, you know, you can't come on and keep relying on on your defence to bow you out every week. So, was there some bad missed tackles? Yes, but I think we've got to be a little bit... Got to give some credit to the defence as well because we're not in a position to win that game without them. No, and um, obviously bear in mind that our defence is top of the turnover table at the moment. So... For every kind of bad thing that happens, you kind of have to take the good with it as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we're not the only defence that misses tackles. Everybody misses tackles. I think it's just... some you know, we seem to Yeah, we seem, we seem to miss tackles at key times and key moments of the game, um, like on that punt return. I mean, the, the missed tackles were a joke. And... Sometimes your your players that are reli- have been reliable all season, like your Pinnocks, like your McFadden's, just they have a bad game. And unfortunately, it just happens to be against our biggest rivals in Philadelphia. They they do have a bad game, miss a few tackles. So it's it's a shame, but 
yeah, it's 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 not it's not the end of the world, but the the, the missed tackles are 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 a problem, and I do definitely need to uh, to get better, and uh, hopefully don't have these issues next season. No, I was just um, I was just kind of look, I was just trying to look it up, but PFF's um, mobile uh, site is not the greatest for looking at tackles. There we go, missed tackles, fifteen in the game, uh, three by McFadden, three by Pinnock, two by Flott, two by Adoree, and then Simmons, Banks, Belton. Akerake, McLeod, all had one each. Uh, just on the point of Belton as well, uh, props to Belton for his tackle on Jalen Hurts. Could have quite easily taken him down on the horse collar, kept it clean. I think a flag was thrown but picked up. But um, yeah, it was probably one of the best. Bag, wasn't it? Yeah, probably one of the best tackles I've seen this season. Just for you know what, the the angle um, and also making sure that it wasn't um, wasn't flagged. Yeah, and it was in the open field as well, so it wasn't as if he was uh, stationary. He was, he was running, so it was, a, it was a great tackle, and he got the angle spot on uh, to make that tackle. So, yeah, great call. Um, alrighty. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for tonight. Um, but we will be back tomorrow evening uh, at the usual time of 8.30 as we look ahead to our Week 17 game as the Los, Los, Los Vegas, Los Angeles Rams, that's what I meant to say, the Los Angeles Rams head east to MetLife um, in our penultimate game of the season. Anything else to add before we go, guys? No, just um, obviously if you're a little bit unsure at the minute and you do want to get on board the tank train, just drop us a DM and I'm sure I can get you a ticket sorted. Uh, you're welcome to join me and Craig. Dan, we'd love to have you on board, mate, for the last two weeks of the season. Not going to happen. I'm going to miss that train. He's on the integrity train with uh, Steve Wilkins, isn't he? True fan here. True fan. <laughs> uh, no, nothing to add. Just uh, It's been good just chatting about it. Um, it's always nice sometimes to get on these after a, a loss and, um, and, and kind of just, just discuss exactly what's happened. But... Um, also, just for all of our listeners, tomorrow's podcast is going to be uh, pre-recorded because of just because of time constraints, we're finding it quite difficult to get time. But we will be pre-recording our preview episode, um, so we won't have any fan predictions. But still, feel free to throw them in the comments, and we'll try and reply to each of them. Um, <laughs> Steve sitting in first class on the integrity track. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, we'll be back live uh, next week. We certainly will be. Um, yeah, tomorrow been pre-recorded, but it will still be worth the watch and worth the listen anyway, so make sure you tune in at the usual time because it will be uh, out there on all available platforms. Uh, make sure you like share, like and share this, uh, this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Hit the bell, get the latest updates and notifications and give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. If you want to share some love and spread the love and show us some love, check out our Etsy shop, etsy.com floor slash bigbukirl to get yourself some sweet podcast merch. Um, and yeah, my thanks as ever go to you, Shane, and to you, Craig, for joining me and to you, the viewers and listeners, for tuning in. We are signing off until next time. Let's go, Giants. Mm -hmm.